Hi everybody and welcome to Introspectional. Before we get started with this episode, I wanted to get everyone a little bit of a preface. This episode is the episode that is dedicated to fan fiction and fan culture, so I'm super excited about it. But I also wanted to give everyone a bit of a content warning. This episode does include discussions of depression, anxiety, cyberbullying, transphobia, specifically in regard to Harry Potter and JK Rowling. But also this episode goes into the fact that me and my guests used fan fiction as ways to comfort ourselves and as ways to find community. So this is also a bit of a love letter to fan fiction, fan culture, and the fan community. Thank you so much and if you have any questions or suggestions please find me on Twitter at introspectional so that's at i-n-t-e-r-s-p-e-c-t-i-o-n-a-l i look forward to seeing you on the interwebs and enjoy the episode hi everybody and welcome back to this episode of introspectional i am your host leticia and i am so so excited about our episode today today we are talking about fan fiction one of my favorite subjects ever because I've been doing a long time. You will learn more about that as you go on with this episode. But I also have these two incredible guests and please introduce yourself starting with Olivia. Hi, I'm Olivia Day, most recently the author of Spoiler Alert, which has a lot to do with fan fiction. And I'm a romance writer. I write mostly romantic comedies that have a good emotional sort of center to them as well. And I live outside of Stockholm in Sweden, although I'm an American, and I can't wait to chat with you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Olivia. And Talia, tell us about yourself. I'm Talia Franks. I'm a poet and a writer and a podcaster. I have my hand in many different pots, but I try to make sure that everything I accomplish sticks to my core values, which are equity, creativity, knowledge, joy, intuition, and community. Most relevant to this podcast is that I'm the host of Into the Archives, which is a fan fiction podcast, where I bring on guests each month to discuss their experiences with fandom and fan fiction. And as a form of additional entertainment, I retell a fanfic that I've read recently, or one of my old favorites that I reread for the purposes of retelling. That is so cool. And I love the idea of both rereading fan fiction and retelling it since fan fiction itself is a form of retelling. So it's just like, let's keep this process going. So that's cool. Just a general question for both of you. When did you start reading or writing fan fiction? Yeah, so I started reading fan fiction pretty young. I think I was probably only like nine years old. So probably way younger than I should have been reading fan fiction. (laughs) Honestly, I kind of stumbled into it and I was always on different Harry Potter fan sites. I started reading fan fiction in between the sixth book and the seventh book being out. And I actually got in trouble with my mom because she was like, why are you reading this stuff? I was this little 10 year old. And she found me reading this fanfic. I don't remember anything like about what it was about or what the author's name was, but it was called Deflowering Ginny Weasley. <laughs> I had no idea. What <laughs> I had no idea what that meant. I was just stumbling through the forums. And then my mom found me reading this. And then she was like, what are you doing? <laughs> 
I mean, at that age, you're probably like, well, clearly Jenny started a garden and someone started taking her flowers, uh, obviously. Yeah, no, and also it was rated G. I remember I, I was a really pure, like innocent 10 year old. So I was specifically only reading things like at my grade level or whatever. So I was like, I know I shouldn't be reading explicit stuff, but this was just apparently rated the wrong rating. So <laughs> the result of this was that I then realized that fan fiction was something I had to hide from my mother so my fanfic life ended up being completely secret because I just didn't tell her about it I was probably 11 or 12 when I started writing my own fanfiction Olivia what about you when did you start reading or writing fanfiction well I am yes I found out when Polly was speaking like way older than she is I am a sliding happily into Chromedom as we speak. So a lot of the sort of classic fan fiction sites were not around when I was the age that she got into it. I would say that if fanfic had been around when I was younger, I would have been super into it. When I was in middle school, I was making with two VCRs hooked up together, making fan supercuts of my favorite couple scenes from the soap opera. I watched Days of Our Lives and I had a favorite couple. So I think I would have been super into it. But honestly, I did not realize what fan fiction was or that it even such a thing existed until several years ago when some of my romance writer friends, a lot of whom got their start with fan fiction or have been in fan fiction for a long time, were discussing it. And I'm like, what do you, what is that? And they told me and I was like, well, that's interesting, but I didn't start reading it until we actually moved to Sweden and I went through a real reading slump and I am someone who throughout my life reading has been an escape for me you know I've been open that I have occasional issues with depression and anxiety and reading was one of the few ways I could clear my head and sort of enter into someone else's life and someone else's story so that I could remove myself for a short while from my own head which I needed and at a certain point, that hard for me with published books. When you start writing for a living, something that has always been sort of apart from your work and an escape can become something that's much more fraught because it, it becomes part of your work in a lot of cases. When you read something, it's no longer simply a story. It's also something where you may know the author you may not be able to turn off your brain while you're reading it as far as looking at, was this book successful? If so, why do I think it was successful? Is there something here that I should be thinking about for my own work? Or if the book doesn't work for me, why didn't it work for me? Is this something that I should be looking at to make sure I don't do in my own writing? It is hard to sort of turn off the analytical part of your brain, especially when you get to know almost everyone you're reading. Even if they're your friends, it just becomes more fraught, like I said, and it's no longer the same type of escape. And so at some point a couple of years ago, as I said, right after I moved to Sweden, I was desperate to read something, but I couldn't seem to lose myself in published books anymore. And it was the final season of Game of Thrones, which I have never watched, <laughs> to be blunt. I have a hard time watching violence, especially sexual violence. So I knew Game of Thrones was not my cup of tea, but a lot of my friends started posting gifts. Jamie Lannister and Brienne of Tarth 
I am often quite intrigued by gifts that have what appears to be pining or things like that. And at the same time, there is someone on Twitter, Kay Taylor Ray, posted a list of her favorite Jamie Lannister, Brienne of Tarth fanfics. And I was like, maybe I should try reading some of these. And the first one I read, I liked, but didn't love. But the second one I read was by an author who I now know is Naomi Novik, who writes as Astolat. So she's a very accomplished writer. And she had written this uh, fic called Traveling Fart. And it was amazing. It had such a strong authorial voice. And it was deeply entertaining and funny and sweet and unexpected. And even though I knew nothing really about their story at that time, the base story that this fanfic was based on, I was like, this is amazing and I can lose myself in it. And I started reading all this Jamie Lannister, Brienne of Tarth fanfic, and then finally watched a fan supercut on YouTube of all their scenes together. So I was able to figure out what the heck was going on in most of the fanfic. And also because it was only their scenes together, I got to skip Twincest, which was also very, very good. So I got super into it. And for like a year and a half, I read nothing, but I literally, that was all I read for pleasure was Jamie Lannister, Brienne of Tarth fan fiction. <laughs> and it's a wonderful fandom. There are stories in that fandom that are as good as anything I've read published. It is amazing to me and just wildly creative and risk-taking in a way that a lot of published books, particularly traditionally published books, are not. So I owe my sanity. You know, a year and a half of my shreds of sanity were saved by fan fiction. That's incredible. Thank you, Olivia, so much for, for telling that story. Wow, sorry. I just got, I, gotta, I gotta take that in for a moment for a couple of reasons. One, my background's actually in screenwriting and playwriting, you know, so film and media is kind of my thing. And watching movies and television, as much as I enjoy it, I do end up with a similar problem where it can be hard to lose yourself in it because you were right. analyzing it and you are breaking it down and you're like, what doesn't work, what does work. As, as active I have been in various fandoms, there's still very much an analysis that kind of runs in the back of your head no matter what you're doing. And mm -hmm. it's so great that you had this positive experience with fan fiction it being something that you were able to lose yourself in when it was hard to do it otherwise. I know for me personally, I started reading fanfic when I was around 13, 14, maybe a little younger, but this is like in 2000 when I was doing fan fiction, fanfiction.net was like the central online hub. I know so many people for whatever point in time, fan fiction was that place that they went to feel seen, mm -hmm. you know, to feel like they could escape in some shape, form, or fashion. It has become this important thing that I feel like if you're someone who's quote unquote outside of the community, it can be odd for people to be like, really? People randomly talking about this thing is important to you? And you're like, yes, it is. Huh? Because it helps to be, you know, validating emotionally. And I, I see you nodding totally. So I feel like you're kind of feeling me on this. So I was wondering if, if that is part of what inspired you to create your fan fiction podcast. Yeah, part of what inspired me to create my fan fiction podcast was a lot of encouragement from my friends. So I've been wanting to create 
a podcast for a while. And one of the things is I have a very expressive way of retelling stories. I just often I get really animated and also the fact that I read a lot of sort of weird and quirky fan fiction (laughs) that they thought was really interesting. It's not that canon is boring or anything, but it's not perhaps as interesting as a fanfic where Aziraphale is a polar bear and Crowley is a penguin and they're still in love with each other. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That makes sense. It makes perfect sense. I know. (laughs) I'm sorry. I have this, like, now I have this picture book in my head and it's perfect. Yeah, listen to episode two of Into the Archives if you want to know more anyway. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's great. But the thing is, part of the reason why I like reading a lot of fanfics, and in particular, one of the reasons I love reading Good Omens fanfic, which I just referenced, Xerophil and Crowley are the protagonists of Good Omens, is because, you know, I'm non-binary, I use they, them pronouns, I'm gender fluid, so I really love a lot of Good Omens fanfic because it really explores the gender fluid nature of both Aziraphale and Crowley as characters. And so I just really appreciate those stories and the way that that's explored. And I feel like one thing about fanfic is that it really takes time to unpack and explore a lot of fandoms that are done a disservice when canon does like queer baiting yes a lot of times canon will have this aspect of going to the edge but not going all the way and Mm -hmm. fanfic will go all the way with it there's this really great book that i absolutely love it's ship it by Britta London and it's about fanfic and it's about this like teenager who ships these two characters on a tv show and it's a tv show that like does a lot of queer baiting and so she goes to this convention and she asks the main actor about whether or not he thinks that that these two characters will ever become canon and he's like no absolutely not that's ridiculous and there's a huge PR disaster and then she ends up going on tour with the cast and then she has this cute side romance with this adorable girl and it's so cute it's YA and it's just like fantastic and I love it. (laughs) I want to kind of take that and switch it up a bit so speaking of books that use fan fiction as part of their storytelling Olivia that is part of the structure and world of your book Square Alert so what inspired you as an author who made a real book to make fan fiction such a central part of your story and the world of your book like ship it the most basic answer is I tend to go through periods where I get very intense about certain interests You know, sometimes it can be a show. There was a period a few years back where I got super into tennis for whatever reason. There was a period where I did nothing but watch HGTV like a month or two. So I have a couple books that are sort of set on a HGTV type show. So things like that tend to end up in my books in part because my brain is sort of working through whatever it is that drew me to it, in part because I'm lazy. And if I've been immersed in whatever the interest is, that means that I've already done a lot of the research I would need to, you know, to have that in a book. 
so I was submitting to publishers, 40 Love, which is the tennis book. <laughs> and it turns out no one wanted that. But to be fair, I had not actually written it for traditional publication, but we were trying anyway. And my agent was like, you really need to have a proposal for two follow-up books. And the unfortunate part was I did not have two follow-up books to propose. But at that point, I had been obsessively reading fanfic for a while. And I had been playing around in my head with a couple of ideas, especially after the cast interviews for the final season of Game of Thrones which were often hilariously <laughs> awkward, where it's like impromptu hostage videos. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks so unhappy. Now, it may have been that some of them really loved the final season and it was just, it was interpreted wrongly. Like legitimately, that could be the case. But for some of them, they look really pained <laughs> about it. And so you I took that. And then there was a post on a Jamie Brienne site saying that the character in that fic, that if he wrote fan fiction himself, he would start shipping wars about himself. Like he would, he would make separate identities and create shipping wars. And that's not the um, avenue I went with, spoiler alert, but the idea that a star of a show would get on and write fan fiction about his own character put together with the idea that what if you were a key cast member on this like huge blockbuster show and you hated the way that it was turning out for the final season and you were frustrated about it but couldn't really say it in public and then if you wrote fanfic it was like well then you would write fix it fic about your own character and then that was the genesis of spoiler alert and I was sort of kicking around that idea and it had nothing to do with this book so like <laughs> but I reach deep and I'm like well you know the female main character could be the best friend of the woman in the tennis book why not so it's like okay so I proposed a couple follow-up books that were really about fandom and this fake tv show and publishers did not want the tennis book but they did want the very thinly related follow-up books that I proposed instead and that's how spoiler alert came about was that through my obsession with one particular pairing in a show that I never actually watched and, <laughs> and, and you know, and those hilariously terrible cast interviews for the final season. <laughs> so, and my need to come up with a couple stories very quickly. <laughs> so, well, one thing I found fascinating about, about your book in particular, Olivia, is the level of world building that you had to do in so few pages. It's kind of like, okay, in this world, we've got a, a fake book, a fake TV show, and then fan fiction based on the fake TV show. And then, a, like, it was just like, wow, look at these players. <laughs> Honestly, I was so impressed. And especially because like every chapter, like, there's little bits of fanfic or like little excerpts from and I was like I want to read these fanfics well <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> where I was like you got me wanting to read this fanfic about this fake tv show within this book yeah can, can I know and I'm in and is there more <laughs> exactly exactly and I think it, it was just really interesting seeing of course since you had been reading fan fiction a lot and I'm assuming that you're reading fan fiction on archive of our own based on the the structure of the fanfic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I no, I those interstitials, like the parts between the chapters, were some of the most fun parts of the book to write. In part because I, I got to play with fanfic stuff, but also because I got to write in different voices. Because if it's my writing, the characters should sound differently in their different narrative voices. But at its heart, like my writing is going to be third person past tense. There are certain things that I'm not going to do. There are just certain things that are and are not expected sort of if I'm writing it as Olivia Dade. But if I'm writing a random fanfic, it could be from someone else. I can write in present tense. I can write in first person. I can use all the uh, dialogue tags. I never use like he hissed, like she said darkly and like all of these things that are kind of beaten out of you at a certain point with publishing. So it was really fun to deliberately make an effort to have all the different fix. If they were meant to be written by different people, try to have them sound like they were written by different people. And the same thing with the snippet from the fake book that I wrote or the fake script or the screenplays from Marcus's terrible <laughs> Oh my God, those awful screenplays. You know, like they were, so, they were so terrible and so great in each moment. <laughs> Like it was, it was what made them great. And I was just like, this is fantastic. <laughs> I know I find that as, you know, someone who writes fan fiction myself, that for me, the opportunity to stretch and to do things that I wouldn't do normally or to, you know, the first time I wrote Smut, that was an exciting day. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Olivia, I know that you essentially were kind of a part of the fan fiction community, but in any book you do research. So was there anything that surprised you when you were, saying, okay, I'm going to research this for a book? You know, I'm not sure it was a surprise, but it, more of a, a revelation. I think when you build a community around a common interest, there are going to be a lot of things that are going to ring very similarly. As still an outsider, because I didn't want to insert myself into the fandom and the communities there in a way that people would feel used when I wrote a book. So I didn't join private forums. This is all just from reading public posts, you know, and comments on different fanfic, because I I didn't want anyone feeling hurt or like I had abused their trust afterwards. So as an outsider, though, I found that both the wonderful things about the community formed around these fandoms and the problems within these fandom communities are reflected within what we call Romance Landia, which is the romance writing community. The tensions and the possibilities are both there. The idea of community centered around a common interest and writing especially as being a focal part of that interest. There's a lot in common with the the people who are writing fanfic and particularly the people who where it's a passion of theirs and writing for publication. But again, there are some of the same tensions that you would find in the romance writing community and in fandom communities. Tensions about, you know, in my book, because it's within my own experience, issues of fat shaming, but also issues of course about racism and homophobia and other things that crop up within fandom. Because fandom, as Talia said, fills in gaps for marginalized groups in ways that traditional media, both publishing and visual media often you know, baits people with but doesn't actually satisfy But a lot of the same, to be blunt, bigotry that you would find in those larger media also crop up in fandom. And that's something where I think we're seeing some of those arguments 
happening, I know that they've happened previously too, but on AO3 and other sites, that these are going to be issues that are replicated just as the romance writing community with issues of racism has really been struggling with that and various other forms of discrimination, struggling with that within our community and trying to reconcile and pursue justice for everyone in the community that's happening within fandom too. And so that was a revelation to me, how much there was in common between the romance writing community and passionate fandom communities, if that makes sense. That that makes complete sense. You know, I feel like whenever you do get a group of people together, by virtue of there being people there, problems will occur. But that being said, it can definitely be a challenge, especially whether it's people reading romance novels or people doing fan fiction or various other things. A lot of people go there and find these communities to find a level of safety and a level of people who can understand me. And you mentioned that just with Good Omens and in terms of particular fandoms which you feel have a tendency to speak toward some of the things that you're focused on? Are there any ones that you, you know, particularly highlight or practices that you think really enable people to speak about these issues in a larger sense? I sort of am slowly immersing myself back into fandom. And it's kind of hilarious because just as I was starting to tread the waters of getting back into fandom is when J.K. Rowling started getting on her nonsense. And I was like, that's interesting, especially as, you know, a non-binary person. So I ended up writing a whole big article on my blog about it. And then I ended up getting interviewed by a few places about it, including the New York Times, which was interesting. Wow. So, I mean, I'm still like reading and writing fan fiction, but I'm kind of wary of getting back into the Harry Potter community just because, you know, the Harry Potter fan community has always been a great space for me or always was, but it feels like it's splintering right now. I I feel like I'm sort of in a precarious position with it. So I've sort of veered more into being more interested in Good Omens and being more interested in Doctor Who. But then the hilarious thing is I ended up writing an article about Doctor Who that was a nerdist and that ended up being really explosive. And I got a bunch of hate comments, like hundreds Mm -hmm. of hate comments and tweets and like people sliding into my DMs saying nasty stuff. And so I had to shut my DMs down on Twitter and Instagram. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Absolutely. Number one, that's awful. And I'm so sorry that that happened. And that, not that I was really going to talk about it, but I feel like it's worth it. That also kind of brings us to the dark side of fandom. Unfortunately, there is a strong dark side. And I think it it sucks that you went through that because I, I personally hate it as someone who like you found a community and found some place to really feel connected especially when I was younger to also see that other side when racism bigotry homophobia all those things that fester in our society can somehow also be sequestered and amplified in one place so it's almost like a gun that's waiting to, to be fired whenever they think someone's trying to get at them or some weird BS that makes no sense because Olivia that's also something that is one of the impetuses in your book that like the dark side of fandom can come and get you 
I mean, I think social media in general and being online in general, it's, it manifests itself in fandom too. And I think it was weaponized with Gamergate. That's where using social media and fandom and weaponizing it for hatred and things like that has certainly been an issue. But I mean, I will say that even before that, if you were on some of these websites in the Wild West before you had to register and where people could make multiple accounts and trolling accounts, I was on the AV club for a while back in the early years before there was any sort of moderation. I mean, it was not for the faint of heart. If you got on there, people would go after you, like just random people for no reason, except that that's how some people entertain themselves. You know, if, if people knew something about you, they would poke around and, and most people were wonderful and you would find a community in there, but there was always going to be the dark side, like you were talking about when you have people who are anonymously on the internet who are in some cases full of hate for whatever reason. And I mean, I, I don't think that it's new, but I do think that it has become more organized and weaponized, like I said, in recent years. And I'm just so sorry that you got a part of that, Talia, that you encountered a part of that. Yeah, I mean, it was really awful. I feel like, you know, I do have a really great community that was able to help me through it. I'm part of the Black Girls Create community. It's just like a, a really great hub for centering the voices of Black women, Black girls, but also like POC and non-binary people as well. It's a really inclusive community. I've really found my home there and it's been a really great place for me, especially during the pandemic when I can't go anywhere. I know that I can really go to my friends there whenever I need something. And whenever I'm having a, a hard time, I know that I can just sort of go be with my people there. And also they really helped me find my voice in really just talking about things. My first article that I really worked on and honed was with Black Girls Create. It was like a series of articles about Harry Potter. And one of them was actually about body shaming in Harry Potter, about about that whole mess. Because I've talked about how JK Rowling is like on her nonsense about trans folks, but also those books have got some like really problematic stuff. And I've read a lot of Harry Potter fan fiction, but it also has its issues because some of it like corrects the problematic elements in canon, but some of it also perpetuates the fat phobia in canon and some of it like goes against the transphobia but I've seen some of it sort of embrace it too. I've seen some really like sexist fix in Harry Potter fandom which mm. are like really enforced gender norms that I'm just like eh, I'm not gonna keep reading you <laughs> but I really embrace a lot of fix that do good corrective work. I particularly appreciate fix that actually do something about house elves because house elves make me so mad. I actually have a whole fic about house elves that I'm still working on completing because I just got so mad about Creature. I was like, I'm going to be done with writing more Harry Potter fic, but not until I finish writing this fic that like does justice to Creature. I was like, I'm going to finish writing all my fics because some of the fics just have a lot of followers and like a lot of people who are really invested. And I know how horrible it is to not have an author finish a fic. So I'm going to finish the fic that a lot of people really love out of service to my readers. And I'm going to finish the house self fic out of service to me because mm. I need to get 
that done. But after that, I'm not going to write any more Harry Potter fic. I find it interesting that you're one kind of getting out of the community, but finishing up to be in service to your readers. Because I feel like when you're a fan fiction writer, you do end up building an audience. And you do end up having followers. There's this relationship that gets built. There is this feeling of loyalty. Like there are people depending on me for that escape. They're depending on me for that storytelling. They're depending on me for something. And then you become in service to, in some ways, a greater cause, which I think is really fascinating. And you mentioned the fix it fix and the correction that so many fan fiction writers do, because I feel like fans often take to fan fiction to address, as we discussed, real life issues of racism, sexism, ableism, homophobia and erasure in the various properties that they love. And this is a question for both of you with this kind of creative critique of media. Do you think fan fiction is like an important part of the media ecosystem? Like, is it something that is worth people who are creators to, to pay attention to? Do they pay attention or is it just an outlet for devoted fans? I think that fan fiction is a really interesting microcosm of a lot of the same battles that are occurring in the media that they're based on, if that makes sense. But it's also a way to move past those and can be a force for more justice. And it's also just fan fiction is wildly creative in a way that is deeply inspiring. You, You take one central dynamic, you know, one story, or in the case of the ones I read, one central relationship, and you can spin it out in just in endless, literally infinite directions. You take this Jamie Brienne relationship, and it could be a post-apocalyptic vampire story or zombie story, and I've read that. It could be set at a Victorian house party, which I've also read. It can be set in you know, Neanderthal times. It can be set in a time loop, which I have also read, or soul marks, or body swapping. I've also read a really excellent body swapping fic. The passion and the creative freedom that's found within fan fiction communities, I think anyone who ignores that is missing a whole lot. And and there are a lot of writers who are very deeply immersed in various communities there. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I love hearing the diverse experience when it comes to to fandom and fan fiction and just all of these things which shape creative people in really interesting ways, which I think not everyone realizes. I feel like every six months on Twitter, someone's like, fan fiction writers suck. And you're like, great, let me tell you why you're wrong. And so it's just really validating to hear like more and more people coming out and being like, Actually, let's talk about the value of this, frankly, art form that has been around for ever. And so it's really cool to, to hear about. I actually, I wrote a essay about Dante's divine comedy in college slash grad school. I told you my last year of college, my first year of grad school. And I referred to the divine comedy as part self-insert fan fiction. <laughs> I literally like put that into my grad school essay and then I had to explain to my professor what self-insert <laughs> but I think it's one of the ways that kind of generalized nerdery infuses into our lives I mean I remember hearing the story about this guy who supposedly wrote one of his college essays in Klingon or something but I know I've written formal papers where I've included some specific thing about whether it's fan fiction or the idea of play you know because with fan fiction you get to play with words and play in worlds and that's awesome yeah I wrote a 
grad school term paper for an independent study about like fan culture and a nerd fighteria. And okay, like, I've never even heard the word nerd fighteria. Please define. It's it's about the fandom that rose up around John and Hank Green, the Vlog Brothers. I don't know if you know who they are. Um. I, I don't because I am an elder fan. I realized once I got back into fandom and all that that I not on purpose to this like almost 10 year pop culture hiatus. So there's an entire period of time of like the 2010s where I'm a little MIA, which I didn't realize I was doing at the time. John Green wrote The Fault in Our Stars. That I do know. Yeah, he wrote The Fault in Our Stars. Hank Green wrote An Absolutely Remarkable Thing and the sequel, Beautifully Foolish Endeavor. Those sound like great books. It's been great having this conversation with you. Olivia, if people want to find you, where can they find you on your social medias and what do you have coming out? So I am mostly on Twitter as far as social media. So it's at Olivia Writes. So O-L-I-V-I-A-W-R-I-T-E-S. My website is oliviadade.com. The next thing out is my, the next book in, that comes after Spoiler Alert. It's called All the Feels. And it is the story of Marcus's, he's the main character, male main character in Spoiler Alert, his best friend, Alex, who is, yes, very chaotic and, and hilarious. I personally find him hilarious. And then the woman who is assigned, he's a star on this fake TV show I created as well. And he has a woman who's assigned to be his minder and keep him out of trouble. And that's Lauren. So it is their story. I really love the story and I hope that readers will too. That comes out in October. I may self-pub something before then, but it just depends on how the rest of this year goes because this has not been necessarily like a great year for creativity for me. <laughs> so I may or may not have the energy to write something else, but maybe there'll be something beforehand. Well, we are excited to read it. We definitely want to hear more of the universe that, you know... I'm very excited about this book. <laughs> I had so much fun writing his dialogue and his point of view because I just, I find him so deeply entertaining. The The guiding light for him when I was writing about him was a delightful asshole. And I'm like, that was sort of, sorry if you just lost your G rating for this. That was sort of my <laughs> guiding light for this. And I really love writing female main characters who have no time for the men's nonsense. Like their, their love interest nonsense. They're not putting up with that. So I had a lot of fun with it. And I'm so grateful that you asked me to be with you today. And it was so lovely to meet you, Letitia and Talia. I'm very grateful to have had a chance to chat with you. And I'm sorry I have to run, but bedtime waits for no woman. It does not. And so I wish sweet dreams to your child. And uh, she reads Rick Reardon fan fiction, by the way. No way. Yeah, she's 11. And she explained to me one day, she came up to me and she's like, mom, she's like, I'm all about shipping. She's like, and I'm not talking about boats. Because <laughs> she was trying to explain shipping to me because clearly I would not understand what that was. This was when I was like, literally had a book that had just come out like about shipping. <laughs> so, but she wanted to clarify that it wasn't about like sailing. So. 
I feel like that is such an appropriate 11 year old thing to do. And being that we just talked about how we like got into fan fiction in like the preteen age, I, I, you know, <laughs> go forth and prosper young Padwan. I'm so excited. <laughs> all right, but hugs to both of you. And I hope that all is well in your corners of the world. And I'm wishing you and your loved ones you know, I hope you stay happy and healthy and safe. Will do. Talia, where can they find you? On the interwebs and also any of your next projects that are coming up. Yes. So where you can find me on the interwebs, I have my hands in many pots. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Talia underscore Frank. You can find me on my website, which is wordforsense.com which is W-O-R-D-F-O-R-S-E-N-S-E.com. You can find my podcast, Into the Archives, at Archives Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and IntoTheArchivesPod.com. I'm also doing another fun little podcast project. It's the Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey podcast that I'm going to be running with my friend Lucia Kelly, who is in Australia. So you can find us at wibblywobblytummywimey.net or at wibblypod on Twitter. Awesome. Well, Talia, thank you for your time. I'm so excited for your podcast. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Have a great day. 